Welcome to the grant, the EU funding podcast. My name is Nils Tudorvinder and I am the creator, editor and host of The Grant. The Grant is an independent non-commercial podcast initiative with the ambition to dig into all corners of the EU R&D funding system on topics of interest for the full EU R&D funding community. I have slowly moved into including other funding schemes than Horizon Europe. The Grant is thought to cover broadly the main European funding schemes. Not long ago, I had a double episode presenting an Erasmus Plus project. So the natural step for me was to move to Erasmus Plus next. Therefore, this episode is an introduction to the Erasmus Plus program or Erasmus Plus, the EU program for education, training, youth and sports, as it is officially named. I have little experience with this funding scheme myself. So I invited one of my good old contacts, Ulla Alexander Mattel, project director at the consultancy company Eurocom and external evaluator, into the virtual podcast studio to guide me through the Erasmus Plus program. And you, of course. Making a solid introduction to a funding scheme takes a little time, so this became a double episode. In this first half, we start off looking at the EU Commission's purpose with the funding scheme, the structure of the program, and the target groups. Excellent for any Erasmus Plus applicant or would-be applicant. Please enjoy. The Grand. Welcome to the Grand, the EU funding podcast. I am continuing to try to build uh, content, strong content around all sorts of corners uh, within the EU funding world. And any of my listeners and regulars uh, will know that I keep saying that it's a big animal to chew down. It is. Uh, but I'm uh, since I'm releasing episodes every week, uh, it, I'm slowly and slowly <laughs> eating myself in on uh, on everything, or at least corners here to getting more and more content. Now, lately, um, I have had some episodes uh, around Erasmus. So we had a, a project presentation around that, uh, two episodes project, and uh, the formation project, and. Many of my contacts actually uh, have experience within Erasmus. So, given that this is a supposed to be a broad EU funding R&D funding a podcast, it is also going to cover Erasmus and the live program and so on and so forth. But um, this means that I have reached out to one of my old contacts that has a particular knowledge of Erasmus. And we're supposed to, in a, in a podcast like this, have an introduction program that is generic and that everybody can can go into and say, okay, how is it with this program? And um, I, I, I just keep blabbering on. I have a guest on board. It's always like this. Ulla, welcome. Hello. Nice to have you. No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good start. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> Great to have you in, uh, Ulla. Um, Thanks for having me. Could you uh, could you say a few words about yourself? Yes. Well, actually, it's a bit of a long story. I think. Well, I, I'll try to keep it short. Um, I think the 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 most interesting part is probably linked to uh, education here because um, it will be linked to the program. Um, I have been working with Erasmus or other funding programs for almost 20 years now. And um, uh, first in the context of uh, Creative Europe, uh, the former uh, Creative Europe program is well, the culture program, and then the lifelong learning program, which was the predecessor of Erasmus. Um, uh, in Brussels, I've been in Brussels for more than 20 years. Um, I have been working with European Affairs 
um, linked to various uh, areas, um, but especially in education and culture. Um, and in that framework, I've worked with all sectors of education and lifelong learning. Um, so they're all relevant for Erasmus. And then I've also worked with higher education. So I've represented 12 London universities in Brussels. And in that oh, yeah. context, I also work with, uh, well, research programs, research funding uh, programs. Um, but I think uh, what I have to say also, there is a big difference, of course, because Erasmus, I mean, that's what everybody always says. Uh, it's not linked to research. So any Erasmus projects, they're not research oriented, really. Uh, 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 no, but still, the, the, you have elements there uh, in the program that is yes, but the activities is develop developing developing mm -hmm. uh, vocational training, developing uh, education, also university studies, and so on. Uh, so there, there are some, some links, links, of course, because obviously also higher education is uh, relevant for Erasmus. But the activities are usually not research oriented in the same way, with the same seriousness or scientific sort of academic That's sort of true. side of things. Yeah, no, exactly. It's not like they are digging into having uh, you know, like research. This is about education. Yeah, this is about training and how it's more like the method of of education, so to say, of educational courses and and programs. And yes, so on, right? and mobility. There's a lot of mobility involved. Yeah. So, um, so that's my experience linked to that will be linked to uh, Erasmus. But then um, I've worked in a lot of different areas in private, public, and so on. And and right now um, uh, I have various hats. Um, uh, I work for Eurocom, which is a consultancy in France. Um, we work in various sectors. Uh, we have a strong focus on energy. Um, and when it comes to European funding, I have uh, developed the area of tourism. We have uh, we work on infrastructure oh, yeah. projects uh, in the north of France and other areas in France. And that was sort of the trigger to start working on tourism. And I have linked the European mm -hmm. funding, um, the projects that we have at the moment, to tourism. So that's our strength right now yeah. or the strength in EU funding. Yeah. It for for so uh, northern France probably uh, these outskirt tourists as an element of outskirt northern France right uh, it's not yeah it's you have Lille as an urban center but uh, there's a there's a lot of places in Cordobal and so on that are well that's where we tourists, are right? uh, that's where the company is based yeah. actually um, yeah. so yes I'm in Brussels but the company company is in France. And uh, yes, it's a it's a it's a very important area for tourism, but there's also um, a lot of uh, room for development because especially people, it's a drive-through place. Also, uh, a lot of people go through yeah. it to go somewhere else. So it's also about developing yeah, an offer for people to stop uh, and and actually stay um, for longer than just one night uh, and and developing some <laughs> offer also around there. And our focus is really on sustainability and positive impact. So that is what we are trying to do. Um, we don't really are a consultancy, the typical one. Uh, we really want to work on projects that sometimes we come up with ourselves and then we look for the partners yeah. to develop them. Uh, and we want to have yeah. a positive sort of uh, impact with it. We're not just uh, yeah, looking for clients, if you want. Yeah, it's you have this approach from some some smaller consultancy companies that sort of dig themselves deeper into a specific area, and then they also develop, uh, you know, like project yes, ideas themselves yes. and so on. That's also a way of. Um, yeah. No, <clears throat> anything else about so if shortly about Eurocom, as I say to all my guests, shameless self promotion. Is there anything about your know, presentation about the company? Um, no, I think that's okay. Thanks. Uh, we'll, uh, we need to talk about the Erasmus funding program today. Okay. Yeah? And uh, I hope it doesn't come as a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um, so if we just have as a fly-in about the funding program. So 
can you make so the the the, the frame the, the 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 funding program um i think um i i would just start with what everybody thinks of first when you talk about erasmus most uh, people think of erasmus students and mobility yeah. And I guess that's uh, how some of us started also. I also did my Erasmus. Uh, and that's how the program became famous. But at the time, uh, it was only actually the mobilities that were called Erasmus. Mm -hmm. Erasmus Plus was really about going and studying somewhere else uh, or participating in some kind of exchange later on. But the main sort of how it all started was mainly the, the mobilities. Um, and then... Uh, That, that was that's what everybody knows it for. And then, of course, we have different um, the program, the names of the programs always change. And so it was the lifelong learning program, which was the one, the predecessor now that I mentioned of Erasmus um, Plus now. And when the name changed to Erasmus, everybody was very like uh, kind of uh, not happy about it uh, <laughs> because they were thinking, oh, we're going to get all mixed up now. Uh, Now everything is Erasmus and we're not going to know what's what anymore. Um, there's no distinction between this and that and everything's now Erasmus and Erasmus Plus and so on. But then, of course, as it always happens, uh, people get used to it very quickly and now nobody even remembers the other program. So oh, yeah. which changes. Was, <laughs> which was called the, the Lifelong Learning Program and had different features also and different ways of Uh, setting up projects and uh, yeah um, so and I think uh, what is uh, what one has to know also is that the program changes I mean as, as they always do they try to make it simpler uh, but you have to be on top of it of this development also because every year there's something new uh, that you have to know so even if you're familiar with it you always there's always some new things and you have to find out how it now works or how this works and how, how, you know, how, how you have to work with uh, the different calls and program uh, because of the changes. So that's the baseline for all funding programs, right? Exactly. It's uh, especially the, the, the commission progress because you always, even, even within uh, specific calls, inside a program you can have different small variations you need to be aware of but yeah it's it's uh you need to you always need to read carefully the specific call yeah. uh, conditions for for approaching whatever funding program you're and i to. think that's also the challenge for people who start off because there's so many things you have to know to actually be successful it's the same with all the programs yeah. so it takes some time to get into it um Yeah. yeah, and we will get back to that because it's even though I'm not an expert, I do have a few understandings of how things work, and it's different from the, the Horizon Europe in in some respects. That it, it it's, it's it would be so nice if they could just <laughs> make the same rules. Oh yes, <laughs> but it's Probably. just like this. Now, but anyways, just be, before we finish the flying, so this is so it's mobility. It's vocational trainings and it's universities, right? Uh, no, I think that would mix it up a bit. So I say it was it's mobilities. Yeah. Uh, then it's uh, cooperation. So it's uh, I would say uh, strategic partnerships and cooperation partnerships. Mm -hmm. And then you have uh, well, you have three key actions: so mobility, cooperation, partnerships, and then you have policy reform. So these projects are more policy oriented. And then you have some other actions also under the program. But uh, yeah, and then within the different actions, then you have different subsectors or different ways of doing things. Uh, um, yeah. But just for everybody to understand, this is about developing education. Um, Educational sector, right? Uh, well, so you have of course the priorities of the european commission which are linked to education so we have to maybe mention also that education is of course still a national priority mm -hmm. um but there are a lot of uh, things going on uh and anything that happens in erasmus is also linked to other eu policies mm -hmm. um uh, like the green deal yeah uh but then you have some that are really sort of key for the education Uh, sector you have the uh, European education area uh, you have this uh, European skills 
agenda. And for example, the digital education action plan. So yeah. there are all some kind of uh, really important sort of policy. Uh, well, uh, uh, yeah, backgrounds, I would say, to yeah, that need yeah. to be followed and uh, which form also the basis for, for what Erasmus does. But ultimately, it's about more uh, qualitative, inclusive uh, education. Uh, it's about skills development. Mm -hmm. It's about modernization in education. It's about uh, new methodologies. Um, and it's uh, depending on the different sectors. Well, we will get to that, I guess. Yeah. Um, you have. Uh, uh, it's really about uh, looking at the the needs that have been identified in each of the sectors uh, to develop things according to these broader policies. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Good. So, but so now let's just uh, thanks. So let's have a look. So we already sort of, you already sort of started uh, spreading out the bouquet of the EU and their policies and priorities with Erasmus. So so the things you just mentioned uh, as back curtains from the European Commission, is there anything else to say about policies and priorities in relation to Erasmus, the, base, the principles from the Commission side? Um, I think... Uh, well, uh, when it comes to Erasmus, um, um, there are there are big differences also within the program. So, for example, uh, when it comes to mobilities, um, it really depends on 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 which subsector it is. But on mm -hmm. ultimately, uh, for example, for the mobilities, it's it's about going abroad and it's about uh learning Cultural things exchange. about yes yeah. and and i mean we we all know the value of 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 stay, going somewhere abroad um for an exchange or uh, even it's, it's i mean the for example the mobilities are for staff or or students or or um educators or you know uh to go abroad uh do a training or an exchange mm. um Whereas when it comes to the the cooperation partnerships, you have other priorities. Um, you have uh, horizontal priorities, and then you have sector specific priorities. Mm -hmm. um, and the horizontal priorities are really very much in line with the overall EU sort of policies and main priorities. They're right. quite quite straightforward. Um, um, so I mean, they also change. Uh, they changed with the introduction of the new program in 2021. Um, and, uh, you know, when, when something happens, something specific, like we had the migrant crisis in 2015, yeah. suddenly a new priority comes in. And then there is a specific call uh, to cover this. Or after COVID, there was a specific call for creatives because the sector suffered tremendously, for example. So there was a specific call just for that. Mm -hmm. But um, the new program has defined some priorities, uh, which are, for example, well, I can name them. Um, we have sustainability, of course, climate change, uh, which is closely linked to the Green Deal, um, which is all about making education more sustainable, uh, raise awareness about sustainability, bring about innovation, behavioral change, and so on in education. Um, and then you have uh, the digital aspect, yeah. um, which is also linked to the twin transition, which is also yeah, a key yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, and so the what I mentioned earlier, the digital education action plan, yeah. uh, digital tools for learning, uh, platforms, applications, all these kind of methodologies. For, and, and then, of course, in in Erasmus, we had this thing about the distance education during COVID. Yeah. So this really triggered this whole thing about um, how can we uh, upskill people because they were not up to scratch. All these yeah. uh, educators and teachers, they didn't know how to deal with this situation. No, and especially so, in Germany where I lived. <laughs> I think everywhere. You think everywhere. And there's definitely some countries who were lost with this. Yeah. So, uh, uh, uh. so this triggered this whole thing. And there's a, a lot going on. And it's a real sort of priority. 
Uh, and then you have inclusion. Inclusion yeah. is a is a huge topic in Erasmus. And even if you don't select this priority, you still have to say why your project is inclusive and you have to say how many people you're going to reach who are not. Um, you know, we, when we talk about inclusion, we talk about, um, you know, just uh, disability or marginalized groups, but uh, yeah. it can also be people who are in a remote area, for example. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so all of these, uh, this is really uh, important. And the other one, uh, the last one, horizontal one, is uh, about democracy participation, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. which is uh, really about core EU values. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so they are they are sort of linked to the basis of education. And I guess this is a priority that will mostly be chosen in youth projects or school projects, maybe. Yeah. I think if zooming a little bit out, it's not you know like the principle is the same as in other EU funding programs that you have decisions being made at the Commission member state level mm. uh, about which direction to go. You have all these big uh, plans or missions and so on of where about society, yeah? uh, broader societal directions that the Commission wants us to go and the member states want us to go, and then it sieves down in. Uh, and and they get expressions sort of here and there in in specific calls in the in the technology related it's the, you know like environment or sustainability sieves down for instance at, at gender uh, in research stuff like this and here in education it's inclusion uh right, cultural exchange democracy uh so it's it's um, yeah it's uh, it's sort of a good way of seeing it that things they they sort of go down into the to the concrete calls and and concrete projects that are funded the, the so, these I values. Mean, or... The advantage with uh, with these cooperation projects, like which is the key action two, is really that you can choose which priorities you want to work with. So you have these horizontal ones, and then you have the sector specific ones. So you have to choose also which sector. But the advantage is you can fit your ideas into this. Of course, you still have to meet, you have to explain very clearly why you want to uh, work with one or the other priority, but at least you have some more flexibility. You have some more flexibility uh, because it's not just a call which is too specific as we have it in uh, sometimes in Horizon where it's so specific, you know exactly you know, what needs to be done and you don't yeah. have a lot of flexibility there. So that yeah. you have in Erasmus, there is more flexibility, I think. It's broader the context, yeah. Uh, the experience I have, it's the small experience that I do have with going through these things. Yes, it's uh, it's more, it's easier to fit in a project idea, so to say. Uh, that can be a tri that can be tricky with some of the Horizon Europe, especially the industry pillar two pro uh, proposal calls. Nah, uh, Ulla, let's uh, let's move on to digging a little bit, getting our hands dirty, so to say, on on the the program specific elements here. So, what I have here in the rundown, so structure of the program, just so how is the how is the funding program divided in terms of areas that it funds? And, you know, what are these? So, if you can explain a little bit about. These key actions, typical project activities, classic, the classical Erasmus project, and so on. So, um, I'm just uh, thinking about the the areas it funds, uh, because I mean, uh, in in research funding, you really have areas. You have you have the yeah the missions, and you have a. Uh, you know, you have certain, they're all thematic, basically. You work on one sector or the other sector. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, in, in, in Erasmus, um, you can fit any sector into the project, basically, as long as you work in the sector. You have to choose the sector of education you want to mm -hmm. work with. Yeah. So, and then they are very different one from the other. Uh, so there you have, uh, well, you have higher education, of course, um, and these projects are very different from uh, from other sectors, mostly universities cooperating, because the priorities would be about um, modernizing higher education uh, and, and really about uh, cooperation uh, between universities. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have schools, of course, nothing to do with what happens in universities. Um, 
really about teachers, uh, learning tools, uh, things that benefit the, the students, I mean, uh, the pupils at schools. Um, for example, a prevention of early school leaving or 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 um, uh, issues linked to inclusion, um, where to to make sure uh, the the students or the pupils uh, have um, have access to quality education, for example, uh, this type of thing. And then you have um, vocational education and training, mm-hmm. and that is uh, either. Uh, for the students who are in uh, training um, at the vocational institutions. And there, uh, one has to think also that it, there is a big difference across Europe. So uh, yeah. this can be secondary or tertiary. So this can also be high, higher, um, higher education level. So there are overlaps also between these different sectors. Yeah. And when it comes to vocational uh, Just for also... people to understand, so vocational in in this term is covering nurses or technicians, you know, like electricians or yes, or uh, I mean, uh, what we work a te- lot technical like, uh, technical education, for example, or we work a lot with tourism. So we have uh, you would have that, any yeah. kind of uh, hotel or tourism management or people learning how to you know chefs or this kind of thing. Yeah. which can be education that you do from uh, the age of 15, like upper uh, secondary, or it can be uh, some some sort of short uh, degree after you finished school, or it can even be higher education also, because some countries you have to do this kind of degree in a, a tertiary level, but it's still vocational. Yeah. It can also be for if relating to say, sustainability or energy transition, for instance, um, District heating, you know, you need uh, people who can <laughs> who can put pipes together or know exactly the technologies on uh, elect- electricity from the different DCs coming from offshore wind, stuff like this. These kind of people, or it can also be uh, shifting from oil and gas rigs, yeah, right? People working there to to shifting to to other kinds of. That sounds like more like your <laughs> your field. Uh, oh, but I've been, uh, I've been looking into this before when I was supporting the wind people, uh, and there there you would have an Erasmus possibility of re-education, so to say. Yes, upskilling uh, and so on. Up, for people from oil and gas to offshore wind. Yes, reskilling Skills. and upskilling. Yeah, yeah, exa- yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It, that's why I said it can work for any sector, this yeah, uh, thing. Exactly. But the, the interesting thing about vocational education and training uh, as a sector is that uh, you can uh, work with this. Uh, well, obviously, there is a lot. Um, uh, the priority is a lot around also developing connections between education and business. Uh, why? Uh, because it's about um, being up to date for the uh, to meet meet the needs for the labor market, as they say it. Yeah. Uh, and then, as such, you work a lot also with professionals. So when you do a vocational education and training project, you don't necessarily only have to work with uh, vocational uh, training providers. You can also work with SMEs, professionals, uh, and upskill or reskill them because um, there is a big focus um, of the of the uh, in terms of priorities of uh, increasing the offer of continuous vocational education training for professionals uh, because there are not enough offers. And usually companies don't have the capacity, small companies, especially SMEs, don't have the capacity, the access or the resources um, to engage in trainings. And there yeah. are not enough. So um, there is a, a gap there. And so this is also one of the priorities of the program to work with professionals and close the link a bit between what happens in the in education and, and in practice on, on the ground in, in, in companies yeah. or SMEs. So the, I think it sort of sort of paints, give an idea of what uh, what kind of areas it funds. Can yeah. you tell us? A I'm not bit? done yet. I'm not done yet. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> tell me. No, we meet, we miss one, and that's the youth. Um, yeah. Youth youth is another sector. The calls are usually a bit different, different timings, and so on. But uh, that's uh, that's another sector. I don't. I'm, I work mostly myself with uh, vocational education and training uh, at the moment, at least. Uh, but yes, there are there are four 
four sectors, so we shouldn't forget the other, the last one. Of course. Ulla, can you, these key actions, what are they? So um, we have, uh, as I mentioned, we have, well, there are three. There are three actions. One, The first one is mobility, really. It's all about mobility. Um, uh, these mobilities are mostly uh, really, um, uh, let's say, uh, applications by education uh, providers who are looking for Um, exchanges, uh, either school or uh, education centers, or or also higher education mobilities. Uh, I didn't mention, but I, I also work as an evaluator for Erasmus for two agencies, and so I've also evaluated some um, some mobilities uh, of universities uh, going um, uh, going to all sorts of places. And I think uh, it's actually something I, I didn't mention in the beginning, but it, the interesting view I have is that I have been part of the whole cycle. So I've, the, the project development, the implementation, but then also the evaluation of the of the proposals. Ah, okay. Yeah. Uh, and that actually gives you a very good overview of of everything. And um, uh, it's uh, I mean, of course, evaluation helps uh, tremendously with the development of the projects because even if you even if you know how to do it uh, you see it from a different perspective as an evaluator um, and so you 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 understand uh, the, the the challenge is also uh, better in in how um well you know how to write a better proposal but you you also a bit troubled by having to do it in a certain way yeah. uh, rather than your own way, if you see. Yeah. So sorry, I got a bit off track there. No, 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 it's okay. Um, what I was thinking about, so you have key action one, so that's the mobility part, and then you have the key action two, that's the that's a collaboration projects on concrete, let's just say education. And then you have key action three, that's the sort of policy, yeah? Yeah. Um, but if we sort of zoom in on, because the mobility is, uh, that's what it is. That's that's exchanging of, of, of students and PhD, right? Stuff yes. Like and I think uh, what, what, uh, what is there, uh, uh, part of this also is that there is a quite a big market for those who receive, um, for example, train, um, those who want to be trained. So it's not just between um, between education providers. Uh, uh, like a like a vet provider with another vet provider because those exchanges ex exist and there are youth exchanges also which are a different type of of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but there is also a big market for those who uh, like companies who develop trainings to attract, for example, staff from schools to do a training on one or another topic. Mm -hmm. um, so there is also this whole area of um, development of trainings to to sell them pretty much to to those who 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 are engaging in these mobilities uh that's maybe something uh, uh, to mention but i think the zoom is really uh into the k2 because there are a lot of yeah. different things going on there yeah um so, so what i want to talk about so i want to zoom in on that and then So if we take a tip, what so what's a typical typical project activities under key action two? So activities, well, I think well it depends on the course, really. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so if we start with the strategic partnerships or cooperation partnerships, mm -hmm. um, which are typically well, they used to be projects uh, had to be a minimum of three partners. Um, from three different countries um and um they used to be flexible uh used they used to be flexible in terms of how much money you ask for in terms of budget up to a certain limit mm -hmm. uh but uh you calculate your budget yourself um these are like the ones i mentioned where you have uh, the um, 
uh, the horizontal priorities, and then you have to select sector-specific priorities. So the key is to select, okay, which sector do you want to work with? Uh, and then you select the priority linked to the sector, and then you can work on different sectors. But the principles uh, are the same for all of the sectors, and, and in this case, to strategic partnership projects. Now, what has been added uh, a year ago, which is quite recent, is the small-scale project. And so that is uh, was an interesting new thing. Um, it was added, why? Um, because there, I think there was a sort of a, the market, there was a market for Erasmus Plus. Uh, very often, always the same sub, uh, suspects. Um, some people make a business out of it to just write projects and, yeah, and be in so projects. And so they become factories. And uh, that has uh, also triggered sort of the uh, the desire, let's say, of the commission to make it more accessible. Um, it's more accessible to smaller organizations and companies who maybe don't have the capacity or the financial sort of resources to back up a bigger one. Mm -hmm. And um, I want to get ac acquainted with the program. So these are small projects of 60, between either 30 or 60,000. You have to choose one or the other. Um, and then uh, you choose the sector. They don't exist for higher education, but they exist for, for the other sectors. Mm -hmm. um, and it really is a simplified sort of uh, procedure. And it allows newcomers who don't have any experience to submit the project. And you can okay. do it from two partners from two partners, and it's a way to to get into it. But those are specific calls? No. It's all uh, calls? It's always, no, no, it's, well, calls, specific calls. Yes, there are calls for small scale, but they are re okay. recurring. So they are uh, they are a standard call now, twice okay. a year. Um, this is the small scale. And I think, uh, yeah, you can do it from two partners. And... Um, the the problem with these is just that it's still a lot of work, and then there is not a lot of budget. Uh, yeah. But it's 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 for partners who want to maybe also they have been a partner before in a project and they want to coordinate for the first time. So it's a way of uh, trying it out and seeing what that means before you go anywhere else. Uh, anyways, uh, speaking about structure of the program, the so the funding. Uh, so the budget levels, they are significantly lower than in, in Horizon Europe, right? Uh, yes, but it also, well, they are lower, but it still, again, it depends on the call. Mm. So this, was, I mean, what I just uh, explained was about the small scale. Then for the, the, the bigger ones, for the partnerships, you have now a lump sum system. So as I said before, before you calculated it and it was relatively, you know, you could adapt it to your needs. Now the, the challenge is you have to fit it into a lump sum. Explain so, that. So the system is you have three options. You have 120, uh, 250 or 400,000. And then you have to see, okay, how many partners can you fit into each of these sort of lump sums? I would say like uh, 420, not more than three. Uh, for 250, like five or six, and then for 400, maybe eight maximum. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's sort of the idea. But the challenge is that you have to sort of, you have a sum, and then you have to kind of also create your activities to fit this sum. And you have yeah. to explain it, uh, why it is cost efficient, of course. Um, and the other um, interesting part is because uh, I, I am an evaluator, is that it's become a bit of a sort of um, yes or no. When it comes to the evaluation, you know, usually in the past, um, you could, as an evaluator, suggest uh, budget cuts if you felt like in some way uh, they were exaggerating a bit here or there, and you could yeah. maybe suggest a cut, uh, and the project would still go through. It just had a, a reduced budget in one or the other place. And that was not a problem. Now it is not possible because they either get it or they don't get it. Mm -hmm. So if the budget, the budget is really a key element of this project, um, because if, if it's, uh, if it doesn't look, uh, you know, 
there is a lot more flexibility in in the rates you give for people to work on it. But if if I still feel like it has to be aligned to the previous program or a previous sort of uh, mechanism mm-hmm. um, to to convince evaluators, um, because otherwise uh, it will look. Uh, you know, uh, people, evaluators are used to the previous program and they will go, oh, they're asking for too much and what, 30,000 for a conference, not possible. And then the project doesn't go through just because of that. And so yeah. basically a project is failed sometimes just because of the budget now, whereas previously that was not the case. Uh, yeah. yeah, I've heard this before from other guests about in other contexts that the evaluators, they sort of actually don't, have under their skin new rules and so on, and then they are yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think that the the thing with this new with these changes is that even the agencies uh, have different ideas about it because uh, um, uh, they they uh, the national agencies they all work differently. Um, they have uh, their own sort of also priorities uh, and um, different ways of working. And then it's hard when there are changes because evaluators, um, they don't really know. The agencies don't really know for sure. And then it's all a bit sort of you don't know as an applicant where you're heading because, you know, it's not clear, basically. Uh, 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 yeah. Um now, if we look a little bit uh, about, so I put here the classical Erasmus project. Uh, I know that it's it's course diverse, but if just to take an example, so the project that I had uh, in the virtual podcast studio, the formation project, that was a they wanted to make a research manager uh, education university mm-hmm. uh, education. So, so the steps of that was, of course, to gather the university partners and the the training organizations, and then they. They would make uh, these training. They would develop the training sessions, and then they would practically carry them out um, and testing them and see what works, what doesn't work, and so on. Um, now, it's so. So this was developing a university course, right? Yeah. If you in your head, a cl- the classical Erasmus Plus project, so to say, you. Um, could you give a couple of examples of things that you have without sharing things you're not allowed to share? No, uh, I think um, uh, there 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 are only so many structures one can have in an Erasmus project. Let's say yeah. so. Eventually, you will have uh, gone through them all. Um, I think it's linked to the just the budget also mm-hmm. because. Uh, um and uh, and the fact maybe also that it's not a research project as i explained so yeah. you you have to start with uh, with some kind of background material usually either it's some kind of desk research you know not sort of the scientific kind yeah. uh collection of practices or tools or other things like that similar uh to create some kind of foundation uh, that, curriculum exactly that you will then use for some kind of curriculum development or the development mm-hmm. of a tool um, uh, what else is there there are, I mean there is you can do courses you can do apps you can do uh, serious games uh, you can do even escape games or whatever I mean you, there's always some kind of part that you create based yeah. on something that you have previously done like mm-hmm. a survey or whatever uh, some kind of research um, that you have done. Uh, then you develop a course, um, which is then for your target group, whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, of course, um, you have to test it. Usually you have to yeah. pilot it uh, yeah. with some participants and then you have to get it out there. Uh, they have to get it out there. And usually um, you have some additional things like um I don't know, that can be, uh, I don't know, recommendations or, or, or videos or audios or exhibitions or, or, or other things that are linked to, the, to the, the thing you are producing. 
um, and then you have events. Usually, you have events, and you can also have uh, mobilities linked to your. Um, oh yeah. You can have mobilities linked to it, which are not just linked to the partner meetings, but uh, for example, you can do um, a training of trainers, or you can have uh, oh, yeah. student mobilities, or um, what they used to call LTTA, which is no longer actually mentioned as such, which is a learning and training activity. Mm. Um, learning, training, and teaching activity, sorry. Which means that, for example, the staff or the project members uh, go somewhere um, to have a training that is not uh, directly linked to the project, but can help the project move forward into uh -huh. a certain direction. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's, these are, uh, yes. And then you have events, usually always events. I mean, uh, the thing with Erasmus, like with any other project, is about yeah, dissemination and impact. And I think dissemination and impact is a huge issue in Erasmus for two reasons. First of all, there is never enough money or time to actually bring it out as it should be and reach the people. I think mm -hmm. uh, half of the time, the dissemination targets are probably not met mm -hmm. uh, in this project. And uh, it's sometimes also linked to the fact that the partners participating are not experts on the actual topic that they're treating. Mm -hmm. There may be experts in education, but not in the sector they're working uh, with. Uh, uh, that is a problem. And the, that, is, that is also a problem linked to the evaluators. But the evaluators are also usually education people and not experts in sectors that sometimes are mentioned in the project. So sometimes they don't really know the sector and therefore it's hard for them to evaluate projects. Um, that's one thing. And then when, to get back to the dissemination, uh, the other thing is what we have. I mean, I think it's been treated a bit better now in Horizon. Uh, you can tell me about that. But in Erasmus, it's still a huge problem. The project ends and then that's it. Yeah. Uh, and then that's it. And then, you know, you have to promise uh, you have a sustainability plan. You promise you will continue. Uh, you, the website will stay there forever. Uh, but in practice, nothing happens. And yeah. um, so my sort of biggest thing has been to always like advocate or say that there has to be at least some kind of possibility for follow-up funding for best practice projects, for example that have been selected as yeah. uh, best practices, and there should be an opportunity somehow to continue. This is an issue, right? So you have, it's a, it's, it goes for, it's a problem, it's a generic problem for all EU uh, funding, uh, all programs, uh, funding schemes, that, that, uh, that to, to secure uh, that the things move on after the funding ends. So it's something that the Commission has a huge focus on. Uh, it's been raised, especially in Horizon Europe, uh, because that's innovation <clears throat> research. Uh, but generally, uh, that securing some one way or the other. And I think if you do this, for, you need to, uh, the, the, from the project uh, funding administrator side, they say, look, we come and fund something that you, you have a, a, an idea for something you want to do so it should be able to stand alone after our funding stops so we give it money to to get it rolling but it should be able to stand by itself after some years right that's the rationale behind yeah. but that's it that, that's the idea from the funding administrator side but it's not always possible. It's it's uh, it's it, the real world is much more complex than that. It is, but uh, then I mean, uh, you know, if you look at education providers who are dependent on public funding, how are they yeah, going yeah, to do yeah, this? Exactly, I mean, exactly, uh, they're not exactly. going to do, be able to invest. Uh, um, yeah. So this is, um, uh, and and I think a lot of projects are still being approved that uh, don't really. We can already see what's going to happen. I mean, uh, before yeah. before the project starts, and um, yeah, there, the um, yeah that that is for me uh, a big uh, big uh, problem. But I, I I I I think we got off track a bit uh, because well, uh, yeah. we yes. we we were with the cooperation project. Um, 
But then within that, uh, you have uh, a lot of different calls. So you have the you have the strategic partnerships that we spoke about, but then you have other calls which are uh, more, um, let's say, a bit higher level. One could almost say uh, in terms of funding, um, and also de- more demanding, more competitive because they are centralized. So you have you have the ones that are um, managed by the national agencies which would be the mobilities uh, and then the strategic partnerships, the small ones and the the ones I mentioned, which had three levels and the other calls are centralized. Uh, and so that is uh, managed by the uh, European Education um, and Culture Executive Agency. Yeah. And so that's a different uh, story. It's interesting that they've done it like this. They changed it because it was all centralized before yeah. and, and then they moved it into the different agencies. And yeah. that is also one of the challenges because uh, they're all different. As I said, you have to know where to submit because they all have different budgets. Mm. They all have different priorities. And sometimes uh, you kind of have to be friends with them uh, mm. to get it funded depending on the country. Yeah. Um, and so there are, yeah, that makes it more complex also. Um I and know the formation project that I had in that was decentralized. So they uh, were the Hungarian national agency that they had to communicate with, and that created some problems uh, yeah. admin, administratively for them as they moved on. You know, like the level of of check. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah of of uh, of of costs uh, that has been 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 carried out in the project so this kind of it's a very different different administrative and bureaucratic tradition throughout europe in different countries yes i mean uh, also language wise for example uh, i just uh, finished a a report for the french agency we Mm. actually had a small-scale project because we were testing it Mm-hmm. Uh, and everything has to be translated into French. You can write the application in English, but then the report has to be in French. Uh, so you have to translate everything. Uh, and then if you go to Romania, for example, um, they are so strict with uh, uh, putting everything exactly like, uh, for example, I remember we did a, for a project once a roll-up, and you had to put uh, the disclaimer and the number and everything on the front, like in the middle. Yeah. So that, yeah. I mean, yeah. the things look so unattractive. Nobody's ever going to look at it, but it's the rule. It has to be like this. Yeah. And how are you actually going to communicate with your target groups? Because they are not the commission or any kind of agency. You know, they're not interested in seeing any of these numbers. No. They want to see something they, that it speaks to them. And this is something that also doesn't work in my view. It's like, okay, we need to have a, um, a website communication tools that are attractive for our mm-hmm. target groups yeah. and not just tick all the boxes for the agency. Like, uh, you put the number in the right place or whatever, and who cares? I mean, if it doesn't look good for the people supposed to use it, it's not going to have success. So, nope. And that is uh, simple marketing principles, which have still not kind of reached uh, the commission. No, no, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The, the, I'm not sure if that that was good, but it, but it's uh, that's how it is, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but uh... yeah. Um, well, uh, we still have a handful of things we need to cover, so I'm going to push us a little bit into just shortly the target group stakeholders. Uh, core target stakeholders. We have been been circling around it, right? Uh, just to make sure we cover, so people get an idea. So we actually did talk about it. No? Um. Yes, uh, we we can talk about those. I still haven't finished with the other stuff, but anyway. No, <laughs> sorry. Come. No, no. I, 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 we we're still we're still with the calls and the key action too, uh, because. <laughs> okay. uh, sorry. The, uh, no. We have, um, just to briefly say what there is. So because yeah, are, yeah, I yeah. spoke about the ones that are of higher level, uh, yeah. a bit more challenging. So you have the alliances for education, for example. Mm-hmm. And when you look at these calls, they are more specific. Uh, you have a list of uh, kind of objectives and, and, and um, 
more specific objectives that you have to reach. So this goes a bit closer to what you would have in Horizon. It's still, still any sector you want that you can adapt to the call. Uh, but in terms of what you have to, have to achieve and the composition of the partnership, uh, you have to be much more careful in, in reaching these uh, objectives. Uh, there is much more detail about the impact that is expected. So you really have to tailor your project much more around uh, these calls. For example, you also have the Centers for Vocational Excellence, which is this call, which is particularly for for vocational uh, education, for for connecting vocational uh, education centers um, around a certain topic. Uh, mm -hmm. It's almost a bit less like the idea of the Euro European universities, um, which is also linked to, usually linked to some kind of uh, thematic uh, element. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, there are some some other uh, other calls as well. But uh, as I said, you know, the the guide is 441 pages this year. So uh, anyone who wants to work with Erasmus, uh, that is the first uh, place to look uh, and dive into the into the topic. Really, I think as I in my timeline series, I give I give advice to people how to read a call text or how to identify the calls that they need to look for. So I would sort of give the same advice here that. If you find, so identify the PDF, uh, this PDF document and use search through the, use search words to search through the document because it's too big for you to start looking. So first you want to identify what you can, uh, you can of course look through the table of contents. If there's anything where you say, okay, these are the areas and then search yourself through with the key elements you want to search, you know, like apply for, because then. You cannot read everything. Like no, you... no, no. But uh, I think uh, uh, the first part, which is uh, just uh, part A about uh, what it's all about and what the priorities are, I think yeah. that is a must for anybody. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then uh, for the rest, I just think people should start by being a partner in a project to to get to know it better, the program. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's, uh, that's uh, the best way. Uh -uh. Um, so yeah, sorry about that. No, no, no. Uh, quite, <laughs> no, but it's it's no. because as as mentioned, this is a, this is a little bit out of my comfort zone because I haven't been working with it. So I uh, I I'm not sort of super on top <laughs> how the program works. So good, thanks. So target groups. So we already covered it more or less, right? So uh, well, target groups. Uh, well, they're, they're, you have the target groups. Uh, usually, generally, would be either pupils, students, uh, educators of any kind, trainers, uh, and then the professionals. Uh, that would be the the core uh, target groups, and then anybody else. Um, anybody else, like uh, as a uh, as a secondary target group, either sector specific yeah. based on which sector you work in, or then networks, public authorities, um, you know, policymakers, uh, this kind of uh, uh, sort of broader uh, target groups, depending on on what it's about. Yeah. But ultimately, the key target group is always linked to the education sector, of course, uh, sure. uh, in one or the other sector uh, so that's quite straightforward in the sense uh yeah uh, or uh, yeah youth projects yeah young people i think what would be interesting also to talk about is the overlap between the different things because uh, the official definition of youth uh is uh, until up until 25 yeah uh, um and then uh, when you talk about adult education, obviously that starts at 18 when we're all officially adults. So there is an overlap between adult and youth already. Uh, and then there are overlaps also between, of course, uh, you can be a young person working in vocational education or you can be a student. Or I think sometimes people are not sure which sector to pick for their project. Mm -hmm. um, that That is... Um, that is a challenge also when you when you start when you maybe not don't really understand 
what what sector is relevant for 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 what you for what you're doing and there i think the most important thing is to actually look at the priorities within the sectors to understand uh, where it fits best thanks let's let's have a look at the how to apply and i think what i put here in the rundown it's and uh, here i will be fading out of the first part of this double episode introducing the erasmus plus program Second part of this double episode will be released next Monday. Here we will continue going through how to actually apply for funding from the funding scheme. We will look at the evaluation regime. We will look at what happens when funding is actually received. And then we will have a talk about the do's and don'ts from Uda's point of view. That you need to listen to. See you then.